Isaiah chapter 5 says it clearly. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. If you can, would you just kneel with me? Father, every time we pray the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, we're asking for that midnight cry when all of your children will be gathered with you in paradise and eternity and glory forever and forever. We thank you for that blessed assurance. But Lord, in the meantime, may all of us be found faithful to the truth of your book and to the profession that we make in seeking and asking Jesus to be our savior and every day letting him be the Lord of everything in our lives. Father, you speak. Let me get out of the way so that thy word and thy truth alone might be heard. Lord, I've got nothing to say except through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. September the 11th, 2001, I was in a prayer meeting with some men in our church, and I walked down the steps. Someone told me an airplane has struck one of the twin towers in New York City. At the same time in that tower there on the 78th floor, there was a man who was already seated at his desk. Under his desk was his dog Rosie in her little bed. And then there was an explosion from above, said this man named Michael. And immediately the building began to tilt 20 degrees. Smoke began to come in the room. Glass was falling down. A man named Philip came in the room and said, we're all going to die. The building is coming down. You'd have to be blind not to know that. At that time, Michael stood up who was blind from birth. And he reached down and got his guide dog, Rosie. And he turned and he said, trust Rosie. He'll get us out of here. She'll get us out of here. Some of them laughed. Others fell in line. 
And Rosie turned and began to guide Michael and a small group behind him in the middle of that catastrophic moment. He put his trust in Rosie. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody who can read and write and has a lick of sense knows that in the world today, and particularly in America, there's all kind of debris, fallacy, rumors, ideas, and around us are the sound of many voices. Have you noticed? Internet, television, friends, wherever we go, there are voices, 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 saying, believe this, give money to this, join this, be a part of this. And we're just surrounded by people calling for time, for influence, for money, for energy. And how do you and how do I know whom we can trust? Good English. In Texas, we say who we can trust. Who can we trust? Who do we put our confidence in? Michael, blind as he was, put his confidence in Rosie. Sound many voices. Come, go, run, shout. All kind of ideas. This is what you do with your savings. This is what you do with it. All kind of, who do we trust? Who do we listen to? Now, let's get a little history. Go back to post-modernism. Postmodernism. I read this summer uh, a book, interesting, called Philip and Alexander. Philip of Macedonia, Alexander's father, Alexander the Great. And in this book, it takes you back to antiquity, to the beginning of the Roman Empire. And I, I read with great interest how they made decisions, where they got their authority, and it was all might makes right. The strongest survival of the fittest. Their religion was everything, everybody. It rains, Zeus is happy. It lightnings, Zeus is unhappy. And you got all the gods and goddesses from Stoicism to Epicureanism, all kinds of temples all over the world. And when Alexander went out with all of his decadent living, see, they would give children to these potentates as sexual toys. When they would conquer an area, they would marry the Pharaoh's daughter so they control, and they would adopt all the religions, all the idols, all the cults, all the traditions. And when they had a problem in the sea, they'd say, well, we haven't been faithful to the gods of the sea, of the sun, of the moon, or all of our instincts. That was pre-modernism. How did they find their authority? They tried to find the God that met the need and that the shame of that moment, and they worshiped that. Or they gave sacrifice that. Human sacrifice, all kinds of sacrifices. Pre-modernism. 
Modernism, we've talked about it. That, that came in there through the wonderful moment of the Enlightenment. The scientific method came into vogue. Francis Bacon, how do you find truth? Truth is revealed by experiment. Truth. And how do you find truth? The five senses. All of them. And then finally you plug in reason. And in this materialistic atmosphere, people found answers to all the voices, to all the decisions, to all the moral questions. They would look into reality. Carl Sagan asked, where did all this world come from? He said, the cosmos is, is, it always has been, it always will be. Where does life come from? Did you know for many centuries, they would see raw meat and maggots would appear on that meat and they'd say, look, the meat somehow inanimate creates something that's animate. That was believed for hundreds of years, folks. Pascal threw that out the window. But this was the era of modernism. In the science areas of the day of education, modernism is dominant. There's a little quantum theory atmosphere. You know, Einstein discovered the quantum realm and then he spent the rest of his life as a physicist trying to disprove everything he'd found in the quantum area of science. Interesting. So we have pre-modernism, ghosts and goblins. We have modernism. I've got to see it and I've got to touch it. But all of these atheists and agnostics, they never could explain how you have a creation without a creator. And you can't either. Then we come to postmodernism. And that's when there are no absolutes. What is an absolute? It's something that is true in all times and all places to all people. That is an absolute. Now we have postmodernism. There's no absolute. Truth is whatever you want it to be. You just pick a number. Therefore, there's no foundation at all. Therefore, we're out in a constant area of squirrelism. And that's where we are today in the humanities in our educational process. And that's how, when all these voices are calling, we just jump into one of those areas now, primarily postmodernism, and say, well, you know, this is where you find out things. So the bottom line we need, and one of my favorite words, if you've been around here for a while, is the word discernment. Discernment, what is discernment biblically? Discernment is a spiritual gift. Discernment is a mark of being led by the Holy Spirit. It's not an absolute thing, but how we need, with all the voices calling for this and that and the other, how we need to know and put down and have the ability of discernment. A five-year-old boy walks in, in the kindergarten. He looks and says, mommy, are we racist? Six-year-old girl comes in from school and she says, mommy, the teacher told me if I wanted to, I could be a boy. Mommy, 
What are you going to say to those kids? How are you going to communicate to them on their level so they understand what's going on in this woke culture? How are you going to answer that? There's a tremendous book out. Little book. Mama Bear Apologetics. You say, well, that sounds like another one of the little book, Mama Bear Apologetics. Let me tell you something. It is written in terms that you can understand. And by the way, if you bump into a word that you don't know what it means, you know what the simplest thing to do is take your cell phone, ask Siri, what does this word mean? And bingo, it's there and you won't be dumb the whole life when you read things you don't understand. Little secret, don't tell everybody that. So here we have this little book, Mama Bear Apologetics. Apologetics, well, how do you apologize? No, it's from 1 Peter. It talks about we have to be able to defend, defend our faith. Or somebody asks, why do you believe this? How do you know this? And that's the big old pregnant word we talked about, epistemology. Oh, I don't like that word. It means, how do you know that you know? I know this, I know that. How do you know that? So here is Mama Bear Apologetics trying to answer the most profound questions you'll ever be asked. I remember I must have been, I'm guessing, seven years old, and I asked my mom, who made God? Oh, that's a childish question. No, that's one of the most profound questions any human being can ever ask. So we'd better be prepared. Mama Bear Apologetics, read it. It'll help Mama Bears to do what they must do in our broken culture is to give sane common sense answers to all the confusion and wokeness we're surrounded with. I know about Mama bears, I lived in the mountains of North Carolina for over five years. We had black bears up there. I've been bear hunting. Thank goodness I didn't see one. <laughs> but I'll tell you something, you know anything about black bears and most bears when they have cubs, well, that mama bear will give her life in a skinny New York minute to protect those clubs. A mama bear is one of the most vicious Vicious animals on the earth when the cubs are there. The cubs are born in hibernation. She has one or two or sometimes four. And that mama bear sticks with those cubs. See, the cubs, bear cubs are not like normal animals. Normal animals develop by instinct, not the bear family. In the bear family, the mama bear has to teach those cubs by example where to find food, where to find water, how to protect themselves. Usually they hover down in the bottom if they could find a white pine tree in their area of control and they will bed down there. So if mama is ever out foraging for food, the cubs can be there and she taught them how to climb up that pine tree and be safe. Mama bears, parents, you'd better be like that bear mama handles those cubs. If not, you're gonna wake up and say, what happened to our kids? Now, what about Papa Bear? Papa Bear is gone. 
He doesn't participate in any way, shape, or form or fashion with the bringing up of those cubs. Hopefully, prayerfully, some papa bears will not follow the example of the animal bear. But in the meantime, mama bear, you'd better be able to answer those most difficult questions in ways that they can understand in a Judeo-Christian biblical framework. If not, you're gonna lose those children. Read the book. It talks about discernment. Discernment is able to determine what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is expedient now and what will be expedient in the future. It's the ability to discern. And that's an operative thing in the mind. You have the prefrontal cortex of your brain, if I'm right. This is where we make rational decisions. We make emotional decisions way back here at the head of our, our stem cell, a little bitty thing there, a little bitty thing. Amygdala, it's a little bitty thing. That little bitty thing is where we make all of our emotional decisions, that little bitty part of our brain. Out here, the prefrontal cortex, we make rational decisions. And what happens when you have to make a decision, discernment? We go back so many times and make decisions emotionally. We go back and let this little bitty place way back here decide what we're gonna do, how we're gonna act. That's the reason some people are still stupid enough to say, just do what your heart wants you to do. Do what you feel like doing. You're using this little bitty back part of your brain. That ah, big, the bella, little bitty thing. Big something. If your emotions and your feelings control your life, emotions and feelings are the worst thing we can rely on to make decisions. And they tell us, tell us physiologically, when we make decisions emotionally, it shuts down the reasonable part of our brain. Here's the emotion, here's the reason we make emotional decision. The frontal lobe here, the prefrontal lobe cortex goes out of business. Did you know that? Zip, it happens, we don't know it. So if you just operate on feelings and emotions, you'll never be a good mama bear and you'll never function in our woke society in any way that gives rhyme or reason to how a man or a woman or a boy or a girl should live. Emotions are a bad thing to be a leader, but emotions are a good thing when they're in concert with the reason part of our mind. And when they work in harmony, therefore we get emotional. I've tried to learn one simple thing. Time out. You know that? Everybody do this, do this right here. Time out. Would everybody do that? Yeah, you got that. You've seen that a hundred times. Uh, recently, I got emotional about something. I took a little time out, got more information, and I suddenly tied reason with my emotion, and then what do you have? You have passion. Passion is discipline under control. We had better learn how to discern, and mama bears teach their little cubs how to discern, and we better practice in our lives, because remember the basic fundamental truth. 
Our children, we can require them to do what we require them to do until they get to be teenagers, and then they begin to do what you do and what I do. Have you noticed that? We can't have to speak it, we have to seek to live it. So discernment. All the voices, where do I go, what do I do, time, money, what do I do? Who do we trust? How do we get our value system? Where do we find those absolutes we can stand on that'll always be absolute? Discernment. And then in our woke culture, in comes a woke Trojan horse. Remember the Trojan horse? The Greeks were were sieging Troy and they couldn't get through the walls and Troy was holding out. But a Greek carpenter, really a sculptor, he made this Trojan horse out of four different types of wood. It was a magnificent piece of art. It was 10 feet high. It had all the curves of a beautiful horse. And they presented the gates of Troy and said, this is for the king of Troy. And and whenever they opened the gate, they took that horse in. It was a work of art. And the king would have put it right in the middle of his palace. And it is a fabulous thing. This is a Greek carpenter sculpture giving us a, a beautiful horse. And you know what happened? When it got dark inside that horse, there were two or three elite Greek soldiers. And they came out, opened the gate, and bang, Troy was destroyed. A Trojan horse has come into the United States of America into our culture. And guess what that horse has brought into our world? You never guess. A new dictionary. Whoa, just a new dictionary? Yeah, because a part of selling us on the wokeness of the day Words have to change their meaning. Phrases have to be redone. You want to argue with me? Well, if you're a PhD in philosophy, there's no match. I surrender, you win. But if in this argument, you'll let me define all the words we're gonna use, and you let me put the parameters down of where we're gonna argue, I can out-argue, out-debate anybody on the planet, any subject, if I can define the words and if I can put the scope of the debate. And that's what's happening today. Words have changed their meaning. Pronouns, uh, I know students that are interviewing colleges now. And when they go there, they usually have, they always, I guess, have a present student. And the student says to the one they're trying to say, I use the pronouns of they and them. They tell them that right up front. And someone says, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm binary. So, well, I'm in transition. I, I, I tolerate anything and everything. They tell them this right up front. And therefore, what happens in classrooms today With so many redefinitions of words and phrases, most students are quiet. They don't say anything. They're afraid they'll use the wrong pronoun. They're afraid they'll use a word that's been thrown out the window, that's antiquated, 
under the new dictionary that we live under. That's what the Trojan horse has brought us. Let me give you just a little bit of this. They have taken the woke, godless people. By the way, the first thing to destroy the family, remember? And then they want to do away with government. And by the way, in today's woke society, there are some words you just cannot say. Constitution. <gasps> Capitalism. <laughs> Christianity. Man, don't speak those words. They're not apropos. And whatever you do, don't show any semblance of patriotism. You'll be thrown out of the club. You're not woke. You're not with it. And they've taken wonderful phrases and used some of our words, spiritual words. They say things like, Jesus accepts everyone. Jesus was a refugee. Jesus does not build walls that keep people from him. People need to live their truth. A real Christian accepts everyone and applauds their position. And then they take words like committed felon is a justice involved person. Hmm. Ex-cons a returning resident. Oh yeah, a parolee, a person under supervision. Folks, you think, I'm making this up? No, this is truth in the eyes of our woke world in which we live. And then some more phrases. Are you opposed to abortion? Then you hate women. If you're opposed to same-sex marriage, you're a bigot. If you believe the U.S. should have strong borders, you're a racist. If you're opposed to China's dictatorial government or inquire whether COVID-19 escaped from a lab in Wuhan, you are xenophobic. If you believe that people should show an ID to vote, you're destroying democracy. Hey, this isn't mythology. I'm not from Mars, I'm from right here in River City, right here in the United States of America, and this is what is happening to us. And two words they have most abused is the word love and the word truth. Love and truth. Love without truth is mushy. Truth without love is cold. And they try to take those words away from us, but they must always go together covered in grace. Now, truth, truth. People say that now our church is in the political arena. No, I don't particularly like elephants or donkeys. I've never belonged to either one of those arenas. Don't misunderstand. But when the political world begins to lie to us, things we know to be true, the posture of the church and that Bible is to speak the truth as best we can in love. (laughs) 
We have been told over and over and over again, the border is secure. How many times have we heard that from the president, from Homeland Security, from all of those in the woke world? The border is secure, the border is secure. And my question is secure from what? As far as I know, there hadn't been a, a stampede of rhinoceroses crossing the border. But there is a tremendous moral, immoral thing going on at our southern border, ladies and gentlemen, and it is beyond belief. It is not fair to those who are coming over here seeking to be a part of the American dream. There are some like that coming from persecution, but so many of them are criminals as they've emptied the jails of Central and South America and over a hundred different countries have come here from really around the world and they're coming for all kinds of reasons. Many of them are bringing drugs, fentanyl. And fentanyl this past year killed at last number 72,000 Americans. You know about fentanyl, you can't smell it. You can't taste it. And two grains, I didn't say grams, I said grains of salt, little grains of salt of fentanyl will kill a person. Did you get that? And they're, they're taking this from China, they're making it with heroin and other things and sometimes they stamp it to make it look like candy and it's being spread all over America and the death result is overwhelming. Even this past week, Governor Mark Dunleavy of Alaska, and Alaska is a state that's farther from the southern border than any other state, did you know that? He is crying out for help because the fentanyl and the illegals are coming there and he is crying out for help and we just sprinkle a few of these illegals in Martha Vineyard and in New York and in Chicago, and they go crazy. And they say, we're not prepared for this. We're not border states. What do you think the couple of million have come here? And we had a, a thing of compassion? No. A couple of weeks ago, I saw a number of 750 something thousand have drowned in the river. What about sex trafficking? Sex trafficking. Uh, at last report, there were some 50 to 60,000 of children unaccompanied. What do you think happened to them? When the cartels control both sides of the border, they have agents 30 miles in watching out in the United States of America. Let me tell you something. It is a lack of compassion to those who would come and is deadly to those who are here. And I'm tired of being lied to by people saying the border is secure. We're supposed to have checks and balances in our government, right? The Constitution does that. Aren't we? There's the legislative, the judicial, the executive. Right? And what we have, I know, in the executive branch, on two occasions, our president has said, 
I'm going to do something or not do something, even though the Supreme Court has already decided on the opposite side, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do one of these two things. Where is the balance of power, ladies and gentlemen? It's not there. It's not there. All of this that's destroying our America, it's not there. And time and time again, we have run from truth and we have sat back and said, you know, I just, we can't do anything in the sovereignty of God. We overdo the sovereignty of God. What if David there with faith with Goliath is said, well, if God wants to kill Goliath, he can. I'm not getting out of the fray. He didn't, did he? He used what he had with that little slingshot and he killed a giant. We have to use what we have. It is a sad, sad day when we see this redefinition of life being poured upon us through every institution that we see in place. I don't know about you, I'm not gonna be woke, I'm gonna awake. We need discernment, get both sides of our brain operating. But in this, we have to be exceedingly careful. Do you remember when Jesus was going to Jerusalem and he had his apostles with him and they came to a Samaritan city? And the Samaritan city rebuked them, evidently harmed them and, and threw them out. And James and John said, Lord, do you want me to call down lightning on them? <laughs> I felt like that. And Jesus said, no, I'm in the salvation business. I'm in the salvation business. Let's move on out. Now folks, we have to stand, stand for truth, Vote not for elephants or donkeys, vote for individuals who will really change the disease culture in which we live. The question is, whom can we trust? Whom can we trust? We'd better stay close to biblical living, godly living, daily in our devotional time and in the weekend in the body of Christ so we can put our trust in the Lord God Almighty and Him alone. Oh, 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 oh. We forgot about Rosie. Yeah, there was Michael holding on to Rosie. And then all the lights went out in the building. Boy, they were screaming, holler, we can't see. Debris was falling, dust and dirt were everywhere, and Rosie never broke stride. And now because it was total darkness, Michael was like everybody else, though he'd been born blind. And he just followed Rosie, and a group started following Rosie. Glass was coming, dust was coming. Rosie led Michael and a group of people down 1,463 steps. It took an hour to get there. 
And when they got there, there were all kinds of voices going on. Man, stay inside, don't go outside, go up the elevator, don't take the stairs. Rosie never broke stride. The minute she left the 78th floor, she never broke stride. Michael stayed right, because Michael put his trust in Rosie. <laughs> and the little group following put their trust in Rosie. And Rosie immediately went outside when the police were staying inside. And when they went outside, Michael said he heard what sounded like a mighty freight train and mighty waters falling because the second tower now had fell. There was dirt, filth, smoke, cries, death, people jumping out of rooms way up there in the, in the buildings. There at that moment was a member of our church. Yeah, Dr. Sean Boutros was a plastic surgeon doing his residency there in New York. He got on his motorcycle and drove right there, was one of the first physicians there. And he cared for I don't know how many people and saved I don't know how many lives. He can tell you what was going on. Voices, shouting, cries, nowhere to go. Rosie never broke stride. Rosie never broke stride. And finally, when all this was falling and nobody could see and they were inhaling in their lungs, Rosie suddenly went down some steps and took them down there underground where there were the trains and suddenly the air was clean. And Rosie walked around the other side and 31 people who followed Rosie, they trusted Rosie, they were saved. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's emotionalism. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That's the prefrontal cortex of reason. Emotionalism and reason. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding, but upon God's understanding. And what does it say? He will direct your path. Basic, simple, doable, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And somehow, and all the shouts and all the half-truths, mixed-up truths, all the noise and debris, the Lord God and his Holy Spirit will lead us if we put our full trust in him.